Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Friends, we've been talking about it, we've been counting down to it, we've been recording primers about it. We finally have new Star Wars content, some of the content I was most excited for. Andor is here. Paul and I have both seen the first three episodes, and we're about to talk about them. And I think some of you in the chat and who are sending in feedback have seen them as well. You're going to have some great things to add to this conversation as well. We're going to get into all three episodes, talk about the things we like, talk about uh, things we think are happening, talk about anything else we had other feelings about, all that and more right after a commercial break that the PM company may well be in control of. So if there's any, if there's any ads about industrial mining or anything like that, hmm. be careful, because their cops are hardcore. Welcome back. My name is Matthew. I'm your host. I'm joined by Paul Hoppy, my erstwhile fairly frequent guest, who has decided that they will be with us for every episode of Andor, except for ones they don't like. So, uh, Paul, I did not have to search for a new co-host. Uh, you are in so far after the first three episodes? Yeah, I was going to do a whole, like, sort of suspenseful, like, thing about how I felt and what I thought about, like, the first few episodes, because it is a fairly suspenseful show. Um, you uh -huh. know what? What the heck? I'll do it anyway. Um, I I was, you know, they come out with so much content in, like, each sort of mm -hmm. thing these days, right? Whether it's the MCU or Star Wars. Okay, just those two things, especially. There's yeah, like, I'd say Star Trek is putting out fairly freaking comment content as well. I believe that. Um, I haven't watched it, but I believe it. But it feels mm -hmm. like, sometimes it feels like a little too much of just a couple of worlds to me. And yeah. so in terms of being excited for like every new Star Wars thing, it sometimes it feels like a little bit much to me. Um, and so I actually got more interested in Andor the more I thought about how kind of not typical Star Wars it is, you know, which yeah. isn't a slight at typical Star Wars. It's just like I can just I can rewatch Return of the Jedi if I want. I can rewatch The Mandalorian, you know, or Rebels or whatever. Right. Um, I really enjoyed how much the first few episodes of Andor, which overall and really without complaint, I loved. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed how little they felt like a Star Wars story and how much they felt like they existed within the Star Wars world. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. Like, to me, I, I, the first thing I wrote in my notes is, this is Star Wars noir. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then I was like, well, it's either noir, but it's, it's, not, it's not really detective as much as it's like the one person who's down on their luck in a dystopia and suddenly finds themselves in the middle of some crazy conspiracy, you know? And it was just... There's so much about this that felt so fundamentally different from everything I've seen Star Wars do, except possibly The Mandalorian. But in some ways, I kind of feel like The Mandalorian is a bridge to this. Mm. And, and I just, like... But I loved it, because it, it... It felt very intentionally, like they were doing things that were just so... Like, you and I have talked at length about the fact that... Um, the bad guys, and I say that with quotes, yeah. but that's the whole point in Star Wars. You know, Vader is whoever he is and all that kind of stuff. But like the, the, the stormtroopers and the TIE fighter pilots, like they're literally faceless. They're in masks. Mm -hmm. They look like, you know, stormtroopers out of a nightmare. And so you can kill them with impunity. Right. And the first two, you know, again, quote, bad guys are bullies. They're crooked cops. They're not great people. But they're also like not... I mean, like, one of them gets killed, 
And the other one is clearly feeling grief over the death of his partner. Yeah. Like, in a way that was like, you are, in, in just that one moment, you've humanized these two more than any stormtrooper not played by someone who winds up betraying the stormtroopers has ever been. Right. Um, and I just, that that especially was just like, whoa, okay, this is, this is something really different we're getting here. Yeah, or those two stormtroopers just chatting about whatever in that one episode of The Mandalorian directed by... I feel like it was it directed by Taika Waititi or written by or something. I don't know. There was there's these two stormtroopers just sitting on their speeders, just chatting, and and they feel like people. But like, yes, yeah. these feel like people. They feel like humans, right? Talking to one another um, and being absolute tools. But like, mm-hmm. you know, one of them gets killed <clears throat> by accident while doing a bad thing. And yeah. then, you know, then the other one's very upset about it and then is concerned for his own life and then gets shot in the face by our hero. <laughs> yeah, like we see Andor. I think the first death is a like in self-defense sure. fighting back. Someone's attacking. You. It happens. And then he straight up murders a helpless like a guy who is clearly not a threat and is offering to like, yeah. you know, give him everything. Yeah, he shoots um, him in the face to cover his own, you know, accidental. Right. So he covers the manslaughter with a murder, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say in terms of noir, um, I don't I don't see it as noir. I see what you're talking about. It shares a lot of sort of noir-ish mm-hmm. elements. Uh, I would say it's a straight up like spy thriller, right? Um, yeah, I think it's fair. Especially sort of thriller slash suspense because there's a yeah. lot in the show where they just, they haven't explained everything that's going on, right? There's, mm-hmm. you know, we see the the main character doing something, and we, we kind of get an idea of what he's trying to do. We don't know why he's going about it that way. We don't know why he's gotten to the point where that's what's going on. Um, they show his backstory without telling us what any of the words that the characters are using are meaning, right? Right. Um, but I think, nonetheless, it conveys a lot of mood and I would say like specifically I feel like this show has the um, it doesn't have the feel of most Star Wars mo- uh, shows or movies or whatever but it does yeah. have the look of them where like often yeah. people say look and feel and I feel like they kind of just mean the same thing but like here it's like it's sort of it feels very different from most Star Wars stories I, I think part of it is that, and this, yeah, like to me, the thing that stuck me is so noir, especially in episode one, is like that opening scene of him walking in the rain. Mm, yeah, yeah, like that's just such a trope. But yeah, I think it, it winds up going more into kind of dystopian suspense, conspiracy, mm-hmm. spy thriller yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's part of it is I don't think we've ever lived this much in the dystopia. Mm. You know, like think about it. Luke is aware that this big evil empire exists out there right. and he wants to stop it. But he's not really experiencing it on a daily basis in any way. Right, Like, right. they're moisture farmers in the back end of nowhere. They're doing fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, in this, it definitely felt to me like a dystopian future. It's the past, I know. But, like, you know, it, it had that feel of look how oppressive everything is. And... We'll get more to specific characters, but in many ways, the sort of corp... I call them cops, and they're basically cops, but, like, the corporation investigators, that whole story to me especially felt like that because, you know, in the later episodes, they get more SWAT team, but especially that first episode, 
I was feeling a lot of sympathy for that cop who just, he just knows two people on his team got killed that he wants to investigate. And his Imperial officer is like, no, just make it look like an accident. We have to be one more cog in the Imperial machinery. We don't want to get noticed. you know. Right, and to right. me, that is such a, 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 not in a bad way, but I think that's a very much a trope of dystopia is that it's not that everybody is a true believer. It's that everyone has just decided they just need to keep their head down and not get noticed because they know that getting noticed is almost always going to get you in trouble. Um, and that fits perfectly with what we know about the Empire, but I feel like I've never seen it quite so uh, specifically on screen. Right. I mean, it, you keep saying dystopia, and I'm, I don't really want to disagree with that, but, like, mm-hmm. that's... I mean, it feels approximately as dystopian as our own world to me. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, you, you've talked before, I think, mostly on superhero ethics about, like, the mundanity of evil, you know? Right. And to yeah. me, that's, like, very much what we're seeing. We're seeing these, you know, basically rent-a-cops... You know, their yeah. their corporate security, which is invested with some power of the empire, right? I mean, they have authority, and it seems like the empire maybe kind of owns everything, right? In in yeah. some big authoritarian way. But also, like, this is a specific corporation. I mean, they even call it the corporate sector where he is, right? right? When when he when he goes to the place and um and gets harassed by the two I guess they're like off duty cops. Is that is that what it is? Yeah, I think they're... I, I mean, if, and, and it's funny because the way they phrase it, this is all kind of stemming from a parking violation, possibly. Mm-hmm. Like, they're kind of harassing him that oh. maybe, like, he left his ship in the wrong place or, you know, something like that. So, but I, yeah, I, I, I think they're off... Du- I think they are off duty, but in this world, they do have the official power to still, like, ticket him or arrest him or whatever. But clearly, they're more in the, like, let's just shake you down. And But, but interestingly, he's... He's the one who makes the offer. Like, they don't ask him, what do you have on you? They're just like, we're going to get you in trouble. Mm, yeah, I, I I got... So so I wasn't sure that they were actually, like, working in the capacity that they said they were. I got the impression that they were... So first of all, the first scene after he's walking through the rain, they're in a brothel, right? Right. They're, yeah, no, they're, they're definitely Wars, off they're duty. They're in a brothel, right? Um, yeah, they're yeah. off duty, but, like... I, I don't even I thought they were just they work in the they're part of the corporation but maybe maybe you're right that they were I think they were higher up and then they got demoted basically because yeah. um, to me it, it didn't seem like they were tr- actually trying to give him a parking ticket my interpretation was they were shaking him down and they were just yeah. hassling him right and then it wasn't um, and whether they were off duty or, or whether they were cops or not like they were basically just like we're going to mess with this guy and he made the offer as a sort of like, okay, let's just kind of... Cut to the chase. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Did he actually have the money? Or was his plan to, to like, disarm them I, and, I like, th- jump them, basically? Like, you know, I think his plan was tables. to disarm them. And, yeah, I th- like, I don't think they're on the same level as, like, the SWAT team mm-hmm. or the mm-hmm. investigators we see later. I think they're more, yeah, they're more like, if those are rent-a-cops, these are the night watchmen, you know? Right, right, right. Like, they're definitely at the wrong level. To go to your dystopian point, though, I, 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 it's interesting that you say that because uh, just recently I, I finished watching one of the more recent Star Trek shows. And, you know, Star Trek has done this thing where in the Star Trek universe, terrible things started hap- happening, you know, in the 1990s. Mm. Because when they're writing in the 1960s, that seemed like the far future. Mm-hmm. 
But in the Star Trek world, by the time of the 2020s, we're supposed to be in a pretty bad dystopia. And so they sent some characters back to the 2020s, and it was very much like our own world. Yeah. It was basically like Star Trek being like, yeah, we are in a dystopia. Right, right, right. Um, So, yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I think it definitely is a... And they did some very clear allusions to... Like I thought, one of my favorite lines and a line that made me go really like, oh, oh, okay, you're you're not being very subtle here, was when they were harassing Cassian Andor's character, who has a distinct accent that mm. we know is uh, uh, Latin, and um, you know, with all the stuff that that carries with it, and they said maybe he swam over, right, know, right, which is like a. a quite a lot of migrants cross the southern border by trying to swim across mm. the Rio Grande right, right. and often are unsuccessful and, and, and perish because of the horrible conditions there. So, yeah, that, that felt like a very clear, like... You're right. It, it, it's not like a Hunger Games level of dystopia. Yeah. It's definitely fairly dystopian, but our own, but it's kind of similar to our own world in some definite ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, like I mean, I, I think one of the reasons I, I don't love spending a lot of time in really overwrought dystopias in fiction Mm -hmm. is like, I'm like, I already live here, you know, (laughs) like I already deal with stuff that to me seems like bad enough and and not so much just like I deal with, but like the world at large, that's, that's the way our, our world functions, right. In a very, very messed up way. And seeing like that taken to some illogical extreme, which can exist of course, and has existed at at points in our world. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I don't think it's something you can't do in fiction, but I'm enjoying this much more of a feeling of like, there is very clear oppression, but also there's, you know, you can come and go in certain ways that like, you can't in certain other types of, you know, this isn't V for Vendetta kind of dystopia, right? Um, Yeah, it definitely feels like the kind of world where if you do everything right and you keep your nose clean, and you get lucky, you're going to be okay. You're not going to be great. And there's going to be suffering. And there could always be random, if a random bad thing happens to you and somehow you get into debt or somehow you get really behind, you're probably screwed because getting out from under mm-hmm. is really difficult. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, you can, which again, feels a lot like our own world, but also it reminds me of the line of one of my favorite lines in Rogue One is when, I think it's Cassian who actually says to uh, Jin, are you really okay seeing the Imperial flag over the entire galaxy? And she responds, it doesn't matter if you don't look up. <laughs> right, right. And I, I feel yeah. like this is a world where... <laughs> yeah, I think this is a world where a lot of people, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, you know, Bix is clearly, I think, going against that. And Cassian, I think... At first, I thought he was, but then I realized like that this is more that these three average zones are more his origin story and his recruitment story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and then I think you get someone like Tim, who I think uh, Tim, as you pointed out, Tim with two M, right. so that's why you know it's a special Star Wars name. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, because he's again like I mean, what he does is really awful and causes a lot of you know could have gotten a lot of people killed. It did. It basically gets him killed to some extent. Um, <laughs> to quite also, an extent. I, well, it's also him then trying to, him seeing the results of his actions and him rushing in to try and stop it. Yeah. But Tim, like, I, yeah, I don't look at him as evil. I look at him as like, yeah, like that's, that's the thing that people are going to do. And I'm going to, 
think a lot better of you if you don't do that because I think it's a terrible thing to do. But also, like, I don't know what it's like to live that much in fear all the time and to feel like maybe this will help you get ahead. Like, like mm-hmm. I, I can't do that. I'm not, like, justifying him, but I'm saying, like, to me, that's a a person in a terrible position makes a terrible choice. Yeah. And I, I disagree with their choice. But that's very different to me than, like, the person who's like, well, ha, I have this power. I'm going to do these terrible things. Yeah. I mean, to me, he's a bad guy. <laughs> but he's not a villain, right? Like, yeah. to me, I think what he did, I think he did entirely for selfish mot- motives. I don't think it was because he was worried about his own safety. I think it was because he was jealous of, mm-hmm. like, the relationship between Cassian and Bix. Um, mm, okay. And he wanted to get sort of his rival in trouble, I think. Um, Interesting. Okay. And if you want to say like, oh, that's so that then she'll be safer or whatever, and then Cassian uh-huh. won't be bringing heat on them. Well, he's the one who brought the heat, you know. So right. I think, um, yeah, I think that was a very selfish act, and I, I, you know, I would say you could call it evil, but you could also say, oh, he thinks that this guy killed some guys and he's turning him into the cops, like. A lot of people would think that's just, like, the right thing to do, you know? So, right. to me, he feels very human. He feels very, like, reasonable in terms of... By reasonable, right. I mean... I don't want to call humans reasonable. Um, I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> he seems like he does a thing a person would do, right? And um, that that was... I mean, my biggest hope for this series, really, was just that it would be written in a way that felt less like character actions were attempting to cause things to happen in the plot... And more like characters were doing the things that that character would logically do. And I just felt that throughout, you know. And I said, I don't want to see, you know, people making stupid, doing stupid things. And then that's why things go. Well, I mean, he does something incredibly stupid, right? He does something that is inadvisable and I think like mean and like selfish which is reporting Mm -hmm. him. And then when he's like going towards the cops, you know, towards the, the... um, what are they called? The, you know, the company enforcers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, when he just like keeps going to, he's like, what did you do? What did you do? And then he gets himself shot. Um, I felt like, yeah, that feels like the stupid thing that stupid guy would do kind of yeah. to me, you know, and it's an understandable, like that's a situation where, yeah, you're going to freak out, you know, and that's understandable yeah. and you shouldn't get shoot shot by cops when you do that. But that unfortunately also feels very, very clearly like a, you know, a line yeah. drawn to, to our world, tragically. I, I think it's all very true. I think, yeah, I, I did not get as much that he did. Like, I think you're right that if he's doing it for more the selfish, like, get rid of my romantic rival, then yes, I would. That, that yeah. to me feels a lot more selfish. I took it more as if they don't catch, if they, I realize they're looking for this guy. They're going to figure out where he is. And if 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 one of us doesn't turn him in, we're all going to get punished. Mm. We're all, and so, and to me, what that was more than anything was, if, like I think one of the things that uh, fascism can do, and I think has done very, and to me, it's against that dystopian idea, but not. Sure. sure. We're going to keep repeating the thing about the real world. I don't want to keep. Yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah it's, it's always all the time. But like, is the idea of. Well, this fundamental trust in the system that if I actually do what the system wants me to do, then I'll be okay. It's only the bad people who have to worry, mm. you know, and it's that it's that same. And part of that is an utter terror of if I do anything that looks or smells like it could be the wrong thing, I'm going to get in trouble. 
but you kind of to get through the day what you tell yourself is no 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 I'm not this isn't a, as dystopian as it seems this is fine because as long as I do the right thing I'm going to be fine and I think either way whether it's his jealousy or it's more the fear I think what we're talking about what I'm saying there is exactly what happens in the later part because to him Andor is the problem Bix isn't right. So when he sees the cops doing something wrong to Bix, it, he fundamentally doesn't understand because in his mind, the cops should only do that to bad people, mm. quote unquote. And in the same way, the idea that they he's like, well, no, no, I'm just doing the right thing of telling them Bix isn't one of those people. We should save her. And yeah, it's very stupid because he just doesn't believe that the cops would ever do it. You know, it's very much that case of like the person who's dead, who's very much pro you know, pro whatever the authority is until they're the one that gets screwed by the authority. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point. I, I definitely um, hold pretty strongly to, to my interpretation of, like, where I think he was coming from in the first place. I do think he doesn't really understand the dynamics. Um, I don't get the feeling that anybody on that planet has any real mm-hmm. the system is working kind of vibes mm-hmm. you know i feel like they all it yeah. has the feel of a, a population that is oppressed and knows it is oppressed and is mostly just going about their day-to-day work but like right. when you know when the police showed up like they they had a system you yeah, know it's like awesome. it, they, they've done this before you know, yeah. so um, so it definitely feels to me like I mean, I can kind of see where we might be going with this now. Right. Yeah. Um, like, I, I don't know if you got this, but when when the the, the rent a cops showed up and everyone started banging on the things, mm-hmm. what came to mind immediately is the scenes in um, The Wire when like one of the kids would shout out five zero, yeah, and just this transformation. Everyone would have this well-rehearsed transformation that happens of like, nope, we're just kids hanging out in a park. You know, mom's pushing right. the strollers and yeah, 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 absolutely. And I will say, actually, that there were two characters that reminded me of one wire character in mm. in this uh, show, although more the earlier version of um, Presbolewski. The- Which one is? Oh, yeah, he's the, the cop who. Uh, is, is the cop who shoots a guy yeah. who winds up being an undercover cop yeah. and then becomes a teacher and kind of redeems himself. Somewhat. Right, right. And this is more the first half of that that story. Yes. You know, first, yeah. first the I'm going to call him the lieutenant, even though I know he was like the assistant de- detective or so whatever he was. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to call him the lieutenant because he acts like the lieutenant on a, a you know on the ship when like right. there's the sergeant right who I think actually yeah. is a sergeant. Um, he, he's a lieutenant who's fresh out of the academy yeah. and and the sergeant who has been on the job for 20 years. Exactly. So he reminded me of Presbolewski at first in that sort of like, you know, I, I'm a cop and I this is what we do and blah, blah, blah. But like just mm-hmm. didn't understand anything about, you know, how it's right. what it's really like out there kind of. And then the mm-hmm. guy who then shot. Um, I I will say that I <laughs> enjoyed. I mean, so first of all, I thought that Tim was a tool. And I was like, well, if you're going to kill anyone, yeah, kill that guy. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, cops shouldn't shoot people. Um, But I enjoyed the way that played out, that after that one cop shot Tim, the other cops, like, one of them was like, what are you doing? You know? Yeah, they did kind of rein them in pretty quick. Yeah, like, you just go back to the ship. And then then I loved that he tried to take off on the ship. 
He's like, I'm leaving them all here. He just got in the ship and tried to take off, but the ship had been sabotaged. And then mm-hmm. he blew himself up. That was fantastic. That yeah. was just that was a great sequence of events that like I paralleled tragedies in our world. And then also like that was maybe the only time I really laughed out loud was when when his he blew up his own ship by like yeah, yeah that was just mm. <laughs> yeah no I, I think he wasn't running away but, I think they told him to go do like reconnaissance I thought they above. just told him to go wait in the ship was he supposed no, to go they, be, get airborne yeah the commander said yeah we need some airborne support oh um, yeah that's much less interesting I like my interpretation better but, although I believe well, it, that yours is correct <laughs> on this one but I think it definitely was. Yeah, I, I think it was one more way to show, like, these guys aren't evil. They're not jackbooted thugs. They're they're cops, and ACAB is very much in effect here. But, yeah, they don't – they're like, oh, no, wait, we shouldn't be, like, shooting random civilians. It's it, To me, this feels like a waypoint on the way to where we get five years later. Like, this, this, this helps me see a through line from how do we get from the Republic to the stormtroopers of the Empire – this is probably a middle transitionary period. Yeah, I mean, I could see it as that or just like it's sort of the way things are in certain areas of the galaxy, right? Right. And there's other areas. But like maybe this area, then you're going to end up with stormtroopers because I think I think you're going to get a rebellion. I think this is how you get a rebellion, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's how we got a rebellion in 2020, right? Like mm-hmm. in, in, a, in a similar fashion. It's... You know, um, yeah, and and the sort of like aren't evil, like it's they're not mustache twirly villain evil, right. right? But like they are people who you know signed up with a prob, you know, and at best questionable organization to at best do some questionable things, but also to right. maybe do some. I mean, it's like you know the I, I think one thing we haven't talked about is that the. You know, the lieutenant was told not to pursue this. You did mention it, right? But, like... Yeah, I, 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 I'm curious what you thought. Because in the first episode, I was rather sympathetic to him. And I was like... I, I thought where they were going to go with it was... I was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of rooting for this guy. Because, like, yeah, he very much says, like, no, you can't kill our people. That's wrong. Right. We should investigate this. And so he disobeys orders. He kind of goes rogue cop. Yeah. And... And I was like, oh, I, so I was thinking maybe they're setting it up that, like, him and Andor are going to wind up be buddies because they both are <laughs> oh. against, like, this whole system. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, yeah, then, like, second episode, it's like, okay, now I'm going to use a SWAT team to go get this guy. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, so so less that. But, right. yeah, like, did you have any sympathy for him at the beginning or just, like, kind of, like, good feelings towards him and his, like, yeah, people were killed. This is bad. I want to find out what happened. No. No, okay. <laughs> I I had understanding, right? And yeah. I don't know if I'd call it empathy, but like I was like, yeah, if that's your job and people are killed and someone tells you don't investigate the people who were murdered, like you investigate the people who were murdered, of course. Yeah. What you don't do is then take a team of 12 uniform, like that's not, investigate, just go and investigate. Don't go in with a SWAT yeah. team, you know, like went about it wrong does not seem to me like a likable fellow but yeah the but i did think i mean it's funny because here we have someone who's an authoritarian who's disobeying authority because he doesn't like what the authority is telling him to do right which is sort of right. the paradox of authoritarianism is like at the end of it it's ultimately just like um kind of like People want to do whatever they want, and the, and it's like whoever has the might and has the power just kind of gets to decide right. what gets done, right? And so this person's basically taking it into this 
in his own hands. Right. Um, yeah, because I think that's the thing. Like, it's kind of what I was saying at the beginning that in any sort of authoritarian society, you're going to have the zealots and you're going to have the bureaucrats. Right. You know, and he's he he's the zealot, right. and the other guy is the he's like, look, let's just not let's not let the empire notice. You know. Right. So and and just to kind of bring it back, cause it is funny that we've gone. I to me, this is one of the most important things about the show, but it, it kind of bring it back to the bigger picture. That's why I love this all so much mm-hmm. because this is. To me, this is a very believable part of what life under the Empire would be like, especially during this period when we're not quite in open galactic civil war yet. Right. And the Empire's like, no, we still have the Senate. It's fine. Yeah. You have human rights as long as you don't, you know, do bad things like breathe. Um, you know, that that we're going there and that, that that's a big part of where the Death Star comes in. It's like, okay, yeah, we're done with the pretense. Yeah. So, yeah, so that... Good. No, it, it 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 feels that way to me as well. I'll say that. Yeah. Definitely. Um so yeah, so let's 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 back up a bit and talk about Cassian. because uh, this is obviously his show, he's the name of it, and we're getting a lot of his flashback as well. Um maybe let you talk about the flashback specifically. Like how do you feel about the the scenes that we're getting there on uh Canari? Uh I think he they the people are called Canari. I think the planet is also called Canari, but maybe the planet is Canar. Mm. Um I'm not sure. Right, like but yeah. What, what was kind of your take on? Because um, as you pointed out, it's it, that's new, and I think we've definitely had people talk in foreign languages before, but I think for the most part, unless it was like a one-off line, most of the time you had someone there to translate. You know, like R2 would beep in a bunch of ways, and Luke would say like, "Oh, come on, it's not that scary." Mm-hmm. And you don't know what R2 said, but clearly he said something along the lines of, like, hey, Luke, I, this is too scary, you know? Here, we're not getting any of that. Um, what do you think about the way they told the story? I loved it. Um, I will say that this is another thing that really... Well, this actually feels very Star Wars to me um, in two ways. Mm-hmm. One, you know, Star Wars, A New Hope, yeah. had a fair amount of that, right? From early yeah. on, it had, you know, Utini. It's like... You know, I, I still don't know what that means, but like, I mean, I guess, yeah. I guess people do, right? People know things about how Jawas speak, but like, mm-hmm. there's you have a fair amount of that, and like them talking to R two or whatever, you know. And then you also have Greedo, right? And like, mm-hmm. you're you're right. Most of the time, you will have a character speaking English and another character speaking you know, uh, a language that's not of Earth, right? And, um, or maybe it is of Earth. And I I mean, I think they, I think the Ewok language, they actually used a real language um, instead of like constructing a language. I think they used one as a base and then kind of added some vocabulary, things like that. Um, But, you know, they basically, um, that's a, that's a Star Wars thing, you know, of like not always, not translating every line, letting you figure out what's going on, what people are attempting to communicate through context, right? And, you know, the second way it reminds me of Star Wars is I've I've actually watched quite a lot of Star Wars animation in a lot of different languages of which (laughs) I have varying levels of comprehension, you know? So so that actually just feels very natural to me. And, like, a lot of things you you can figure out through context, you know? And I I think the idea was um, to... Like, first of all, those scenes, I feel, have a good sense of perspective. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like I'm relating to, to the people, you know. Yeah. I, they, it doesn't feel othering to me, despite the fact that I don't know the semantic, 
meaning of their right. words, right? But but I have a feel for what they're trying to to convey, right? And I, I think mm-hmm. they communicate that very well. Um, and second of all, it so it, it does give this sense of like, okay, that is a very different world and dynamic that this character grew up in, right? And so we can understand mm-hmm. the character a little bit more without even understanding the words. And then second of all, uh, because I think the show is based so much on, you know, suspense and and sort of mystery and, and the unknown, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like it plays well to not really let us know exactly what's going on, not let us know exactly yeah. what's happening. You know, and this is these are like childhood memories anyway, right? So right. often those are those might be like a little sort of soft and murky and and, and hazy, right? And and yeah. not, you don't remember the exact thing someone said. You remember like the general ideas and right, exactly. Like and so I, I I thought that was really interesting in the way they sort of gradually revealed the mystery and didn't explain everything and to me it places a lot of trust in the viewer which is something i always appreciate right it's like there's a lot of trust in like look stay with us like we don't need to have things blowing up all the time we don't need to have you know um lightsaber battles all the time we're just going to tell a compelling story we're going to tell it in a in a dramatic way that isn't like overly dramatized but that like draws you in you know it felt it right. felt very much to me like it, it was like drawing me in. And um, I will say, at the end of the first episode, I was like, oh, that was that was the end of the first episode. And then the second episode, I was like, oh, that was, okay, that was the end of the second episode. And then the end of the third episode, I was like, they did the right thing releasing three episodes on the first night. Yeah. That was yeah, the right play. So. Because the third episode is where you finally feel like, okay, now I feel like I know where this is going. There's more action. And like, it's like, okay, okay. You know, whereas if they just released the first one and there's like a week, like what is going, you know, it would have, it would have felt a little weird, I think. Yeah. To me, I mean, I think this entire, I think the show is going to be about Andor in the rebellion and his interactions with the rebellion. And this was the this was basically the pilot. This was the right. how did Andor come to become connected to the rebellion? Right. You know, and also what and that includes all of his backstory, both of the like the two weeks before, but also the twenty years before. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm really interested in it. And I think you're right. Like I I often can get very frustrated if it's not English, but I found it very easy to get a kind of general sense of like, okay, there's an initiation ceremony and some people think he's too young, but other people say, no, he should be a part of it. And then the ship crashes and people are trying to find out who's going to, how they're going to go. And then, you know, a soldier uh, shoots at somebody and then people freak out and like, then he goes into the ship and like it, I think it painted in broad strokes that I could follow and I think what you said about how it trusts is so perfect because we've talked at length about how some of the things that we most dislike are when it didn't trust us. Mm-hmm. You know, that moment in um, the the second movie um, where, like, they're kind of hinting about, like, this big secret plan and then you have to see, like, the Geonosin hand ah. a data chip to Count Dooku yeah. that has the model of the Death Star in it and they have to both look at it for right, a second. Right, right. Like, that, to me, is the exact opposite of this. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Um, we are not normally the people who are going to say like, oh, no, we know so much about the lore, etc. But I, I will bring up one point that kind of has me scratching my head a bit. And I don't really mind if they are just changing this because I think it's making such a good story. 
um, as well as kind of for the representation aspect of like, you know, Diego Luna playing this part, Luna playing this part. But one thing that they have established in this world, and that some of the books have actually been exploring a lot more interestingly, is that all of the humans in this world are colonizers. Like, and most of that colonizing may have happened what like do you mean tens this of that in the um, Star Wars galaxy. Oh, like okay. There is a planet that uh, well, this is some of this is from the Legends canon, but it seems like that the the Disney canon is mostly keeping up with this that. Humans originated on some planet that is kind of now lost to the mists of time, mm-hmm. um, but that they, like, 30, 40,000 years ago started going out into the stars and populating all these different planets. And that's why you have humans on so many different planets, some of whom are quite different from each other. Right. Um, so on the one hand, like, I liked the idea of, like, part of why I liked the um, discussions with the Tuscans so much is because, like, that that I think was very intentionally supposed to be about, like, a, you know, settlers versus indigenous, like, you know, colonialists indigenous conflict. Mm-hmm. And so having humans be the, the, the indigenous here, it threw me a bit at first, mm-hmm. but also, like, with them, I, I, I think all of them were supposed to be kind of like, uh, uh, the actors all seem to be people of color to some extent or another, and I think they were kind of drawing some of those comparisons. Like I'm not, I don't, I'm not mad at it by any means, but I'm definitely curious about it. Um, and sort of, ha- like, if the idea is that the people here have been indigenous for generations, or if that, like, the the techno- the the big explosion disaster they talked about, like somehow wiped out all the adults and the kids, kind of mm. like went feral right, in the right. last like years since then. Um, I think that's another mystery that we'll get to explore. But. Um, yeah, it was just it was just something that I found interesting. Yeah, I um, you know I mean I I think I have heard that sort of thing about about humans and having mm-hmm. come from one place and blah 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 and and how the empire is sometimes in some tellings anyway um, you know this very human centric like anti other right. species uh, organization and and you know um, to what extent that's played up in various media is you know it's variable right, right? but. Um, I think there's, I mean, there's any number of ways that they, like, they might not be a truly indigenous population, you know, it might, it, but, but I mean, humans um, colonized the galaxy like thousands of years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. yeah. It, the, yeah, it would have been tens of thousands of years ago, probably. Right. Not so, ago, so, so it seems like, you know, there's any number of feasible stories for how, you know, right. a group of humans might have ended up there and then developed very different, you know, culturally. Um, the, the indigenous people of nine tenths of the of our own world were not indigenous to them at some point in time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. Like even more, right? I mean, like, like human. Yeah, it's it's complicated, right? Like, right. and and yeah, exactly. So so somehow people got to wherever they they went, right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I I do and, think. From like a, a just like a racial standpoint, like or mm-hmm. or just um, you know representation or whatever, I, I feel like they very much have. I felt in Kenobi like they were kind of challenging certain sort of assumptions about like mm-hmm. what sorts of people in our world would play what sorts of characters throughout the galaxy. Right. Somehow, I don't I don't know why exactly, but for some reason. In this series, it feels to me almost like that has, like they've completed that journey 
in a way mm-hmm. that maybe it's because I haven't looked at Twitter. <laughs> I don't know. And I'm not, I'm just I, like, I'm not interested in that conversation in a lot of ways. But, right. um, but I feel, I mean, first of all, they, they have like a lot of different accents here. Right. Cause like, yeah. obviously like there's Diego Luna, but like, there's a lot of people with um, like British sound, but not like, you know, Imperial British type sounding. Right. right. And like, maybe there's some like Irish or Scottish. I don't know if, if it's that, or if it's just like a particular part of England. Yeah, the, the sergeant sounded very Irish to me. Yeah. And some Scottish fans may write in and tell me I'm wrong, but he, he definitely said like, did you ever see the movie glory? I have. Yes. Yeah. He reminds me a lot of like the Irish drill sergeant who like, works with Matthew Broderick, right. that kind of thing. You know, and like the, the Irish sergeant cop is a little bit of a, <laughs> it's a little yep. bit, a wee bit on the nose, but like, um, I say this as someone who's, uh, whose great grandfather was like an Irish American sheriff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but like, yeah, it, it, to me, it, it feels like they have kind of, I think successfully broken through that where also yeah. where it, to me, it feels like, they didn't feel the need to make all of the canary look the same and like like cuz there's no reason that in a world like like the star wars galaxy that mm-hmm. human biology would necessarily function the same way it does here yeah, you know that's very true like there's there's just not and so i i feel like i don't know it could be just for me like having sort of gotten through the like a little bit of the awkward face. It could be some of like the shows themselves. I don't know, mm-hmm. um, but just for some reason here, it it um, it just it just feels a little different, you know. Um, yeah. And I think it's great. And you know, hopefully over time that will just feel more like normal just to more people, and it just won't feel like something that needs to be a big deal, but just something yeah. that like is better because it was a big deal at a time, and then now it's like okay, right. Yeah, certainly it seems like, from what I've been on Twitter, the show is not getting the same kind of thing. And, like, part of it's because Diego Luna is an established presence already. Like, there was a lot of people being angry about Rogue One, that it was a a non-white main star. Um, Now, you know, I I do think that the attacks that Riva got was as much about uh, misogyny and and uh, really about kind of the mixture of racism and sexism, often referred to as uh, black noir. I'm sorry, uh, of uh, misogyny noir. Um, Black noir is a character from The Boys. Um, Misogyny noir? But also... Massage noir, oh. like putting the words massage noir. Oh, the yeah, no, that misogyny. just that sounds like something else. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, not massage. Yeah, mis- misogyny noir. Yes, exactly. Um, but also, like you know, people are really upset about a mermaid right now. So that maybe that yeah, the people yeah, who are yeah. right, right, maybe there's a distraction. About that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, and like I think that is a really good, nice way of bridging the gap. Like I like having a. Um, uh, you know, actor who I think Diego Luna is from—is he from Mexico or is he from? Yeah. Okay, H- yeah, having a Mexican or a Mexican American actor um, playing a major part where his family comes from indigenous population, like that feels very fitting. But also, I think they're not feeling like therefore, so all the indigenous folk have to look like they're uh, Chicano or Mexican or anything like that. Right. So yeah, it's it's a nice way of hopefully us getting past that. Um, and it's having at the same time, like Game of Thrones, you know, Rings of Power is saying that, like, you know, look, dwarves can be any color. You right. Know, yeah. Yeah. Rings of Power. I was thinking so, of when I was talking about that, too, that that's kind of also it's like there's no reason in a fantasy world that like. Yeah. And, and Star Wars is the same. Right. Like that a human conception of race should apply somewhere where this whole other, you know, 
where right. you, you have a lot of um, species interacting, you know, um, intel like intelligent species with agency in the world. You know, it's right. like when when there's elves and dwarves and humans, it's like, you know, it's reasonable to think like, yeah, like humans might not make as big a deal out of skin color right. if there were elves. You know, and, and and that kind of actually follows true to like you know, you know, um, northern Europeans are incredibly racist against southern Europeans mm, mm-hmm. until they come to this country and start dealing with you know uh, the uh, you know Native Americans, right, right. and then they go all kind of like, all right, well, you're okay to be white, but not these. And in the same way, I think you can extrapolate that. If humanity gets to a point where we're in contact with multiple alien races, people will probably be like, eh, black, white, Asian, like, okay, but it's the Martians we've got to worry about. <laughs> right, right, you know? right. Green um, now. Green. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to the actual show, yes, though. Yes, let us. Um, so, yeah, so an interesting mystery. What do you think about the woman taking him? Because, like, on the one hand, oh. she says that... Um, she says that like she's worried the empire is going to call actually the, the republic, the republic. The yeah republic, yeah the republic which we think of as like pure and good mm. <laughs> um, which I, I I don't I couldn't see the faces so I don't know if any of those folks were clones they weren't but um they weren't they, okay I mean they did not look like clones to me I did not see Tamora yeah. Morrison I didn't see their him get skin a looked kind of like yellowish in a way that I thought was maybe alien I thought um, they got like poisoned or something. That's possible because they were all, they all seemed possible. kind of deadish or dying or like it, it looked yeah. to me it didn't look like they were of yellow skin tone like whatever that, okay. you know it looked to me like they were because um, it also it even to me almost looked like there was like something on them I don't know I could be wrong though yeah uh, yeah it, it could it be poison it could be that like you know that's the ship's like fuel explosion sure. or whatever yeah, it is yeah. but but yeah so like I understand her concern but. White people finding indigenous children, deciding they would be safer back home and taking them back home without their consent is not a story that often ends well, nor is it a story that is unknown to us in this world. And they're telling it unproblematically. And I wonder if that, like, do you think we're really supposed to believe that she had to do this? Or do you think we're supposed to believe that, like, yeah, that might be an issue that comes back up that that uh, Andor has Cassian has some mixed feelings about? Um, kind of both. Um, I mean, I don't think it has to be white people. Like, I think anyone right. taking someone from their home without really consulting them, it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty questionable. You know, on the other hand, like, if you're right that that person's going to just be killed if you leave them there, okay, you know, sure. But, like, right. I don't know. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's, to me, seems like a reasonable, um, uh, it seems like a reasonable act with some very questionable, you know, it's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. She thinks it is. Yeah. If, if her assumption is correct, then I think it's probably the best thing to do. If her assumption's wrong, it's, it's very much not the best thing to do, you know. Yeah. But, like, I, I do get the sense that the Republic is going to go there and is going to kill all of those children, except maybe for his mm-hmm. sister or something like that. Right. You know, um, that's, you know, it... Yeah, that that whole sort of sequence was a little was interesting and weird. I thought, you know, like mm-hmm. first of all, all the all the Canari kids like being like, oh, let's go, you know, um, investigate what's going on. I don't know exactly what their goal was there. 
you know. Right. Um, and I don't think we're meant to know exactly, right? I mean, curiosity is is one thing. Right. The kind of the only moment that annoyed me was that you know I I think she was like their leader, like getting like shot in the back. It felt a little. That was the only thing that felt a little like nah. I don't know. This feels a little sort of contrived to me. But like, I guess I I mean I could see that, you know. It certainly doesn't fit with what we have seen from Republic officers up till now. Right. But I think it's entirely possible that either A, part of the idea of this is to be like, hey, Order 66 wasn't some magical switch. Mm -hmm. Like, there was always the problems of bureaucracy and of ACAB and of all of that within the Republic. Um, Or to be like, yeah, this ship was not quite, like, on the up and up. Um, the fact that he starts the first episode looking for another Canary, a Canary girl, who I'm guessing is probably his sister. Well, he said it was his but, sister. Oh, he did say it. Well, say. he did, but I didn't know if that was just because they were in the brothel and they were trying to... Yeah, yeah, to, no, no. Like, I mean, he said it was his sister. That That's exactly right. what I mean. Yes, you're right. It might yeah. not be. I think it probably yeah, okay, is, yeah. but it might not be. I think but, it might not But either way, that tells me that we're not done with that story. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But, yeah, no way are we done yeah. with that story. So what do you think of what we saw of him in 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 this time? Oh, I just want to interject like also I assume that the you know the guy who was with his mom is who that was referred to as his dad. Yeah. Who got murdered by the mm-hmm. empire, I guess, right? Right. Um which I think good choice not showing uh the hanging. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully they won't. I think that's a thing where you can just say like Let's just, okay, you know. I'm fairly certain that even if we show the hanging, which I hope they don't, there won't be a disemboweling to go with the hanging. Sure, but I mean, that's not really what I mean as much. I mean, yes, I, okay. I understand you in terms of in terms of that. I mean, in terms of like, he's a black dude. And it's like, I, I just don't think we need oh, to show yeah. a ton of hangings. Also, also very you know true, I mean? very true. Um, yeah. But like, but yeah, like that I think also was, it's sort of, uh, well, well, we'll get there when we get there. I think we might get more of that, all that backstory. Yeah. You know, I don't think that was like his one appearance, right? Um, what do I think of Andor now? Yeah, I think I think he's a really fascinating mix of, um, you know, through most of the first three episodes, we don't know that much about him. We know he's yeah. w- willing to go to great lengths to try and find his sister or someone else who he's saying is his sister. Um we know that he's willing to shoot someone in the face point blank who's begging for their life to, you know, to cover that up, to cover his tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we also know that he's like, he's like clever, but not, he's not a super spy. You know, yeah. this guy is not a highly trained operative. He's someone who understands how most people think and can figure out, wait, it, this dude isn't really with you, right? You just paid him to stand here. Like, come on, get, get, yeah. you know, give me a break with King Shark here. Um, <laughs> I, I know it's not King Shark, but uh, in a lot of ways, he's a lot like his Shark. kind of origin story in that regard felt to me a lot like Ezra Bridger. Oh yeah, Rebels. yes, yes. You know, and in both cases, they're kind of like. They, they get by with a lot of, like, chicanery and, and maybe stealing mm-hmm. and, like, doing what they need to do. And they're kind of out for themselves. And 
maybe a little bit like trying to like you know screw with the system or like in Ezra's more kind of like just chaotic and uh, Andor is more like focused on like finding a person but both of them are just kind of like okay I'm going to do the little bit I can do I can't actually like take on the empire or the the corporation or whatever and it's funny because you and I talked last week about what we wanted to see from the show I feel like in both cases what moves Ezra and Andor into feeling like they can be part of something bigger is when they get hope. Yeah. You know, that that's, that's kind of what the story is, that yeah. this is about, like, yeah, no, there could be something bigger you can be part of. And in some ways, I think Andor doesn't... Andor's being offered the possibility of hope. He doesn't really believe it yet. Yeah, he's not there yet, for sure. Yeah. But Ezra and, takes and Ezra, a little while. It takes a couple episodes, yeah. right? I mean... For sure, yeah. For, and even, in like, halfway in, he almost is like, I'll just go away with the Hondo right, you know, and right. do the thing, which... Kind of, I think would be great, but that's not a thing entirely. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, 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 I like the way that they made that, and then having Dr. Selvig, uh, I know he's got a name in this, I'm sorry, that actor will always be Dr. Selvig to me, which is too bad, because he also sings and sings and acts quite well in Mamma Mia as one mm. of the three yeah. possible Stone dads. Stellan Skarsgård is an excellent actor, and is, uh, he's great in The yeah. Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. And if he can chat with his brother about perhaps doing live action, what his brother has been so good at doing, voice actor, uh, his brother is the, the, I think, right? Are you thinking of Thrawn with Mickelson? It's, no. No, that that dude's brother is uh, Jin's father. That's, okay, that's what the connection Yeah, no, I knew it. Skarsgård has two sons who are, or more, I don't know, who are are actors. Okay, got it, okay, so... Uh, anyway, yeah. I was so like, I, I know what I, you're thinking of, I, and I'm like, no, but but yeah, yeah. And he, his character, I also like because he's not like he's not a Jedi either. No, you know they they capture the 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 investigator, the detective cop, and the, and that guy is like, yeah, kill him. And Andor's right. the one who says we shouldn't kill him. And I like that too because to me, to me, this is very much like the Saw Gerrera mm. era of uh, you know rebellion, where it's just like, yeah, we're trying to to do what we can, but this is dirty work, this is what we ha- doing what we have to do. Like, I don't think this guy would, if Cassian tells him the story of the, the two rent-a-cops he killed, I don't think this guy's gonna be mad. He might be mad at him like, that was stupid. You should have covered your tracks. Right, yeah, yeah, you should, what did you do with the bodies? Why didn't you hide them? Why did, yeah. you know, but like, yeah. He, he might be like, why didn't you go back to the brothel and like, shoot the madam who, you know, could have given you away. But like, yeah. he definitely isn't gonna be like. I don't think she was like, the madam, by, by the way, but. Okay, one yeah. of the other people. Yeah. Um, just that utterly flat hairstyle was very odd to me. It's amazing. But kind of awesome. I loved it. Yeah. Um, I actually really liked her as a character in the, like, two minutes that we got, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, we got a brothel in Star Wars. Right? This, that is aggressively PG-13 yeah, yeah. in a world that has always been G to PG. Right, right, right. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of dismemberments in Star Wars. I yeah, feel like fair. solidly PG. You know, I like G. You're not supposed to have so many dismemberments. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) That's fair. That's fair. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I. I, I, To me, Andor does two things really well. One is just he's a fascinating character. Yeah. But also, so far, I fundamentally believe that this is the person who becomes the person we saw in Rogue One. Yeah. Which we we talked in Kenobi about how hard that is to do. I think the fact that we've only seen him in one movie instead of, like, the wealth of things oh, yeah. we've seen Kenobi in. Um, but, yeah, to me, like, that was the one thing I was really nervous about. And so far, at least, they're nailing it. Yeah, he feels very believable to me, both as a person 
just simply in this mm-hmm. uh, in this show, and as a person who becomes that person, right? Yeah. Who who still is, you know, fairly um, disillusioned in a lot of ways, right? But he's just like, yeah. yeah, I'm just doing what I think, you know, is is gonna is the best that I can do, you know. And right. and here, the moment that like to me was a little bit of a pivot, not in terms of his character, but in terms of revealing to us his character, was when Skarsgård. I'm gonna call him Skarsgård. <laughs> we'll, we'll come up. We'll we'll get the name next time. I will probably rewatch these episodes. Um, I would have rewatched. If they did one episode, I would have watched it two or three times. But they, they yeah. gave us two hours. Like, I mean, what do you want? What do you want? I, I got things to do. Um, yeah. So, yeah. it In that conversation where he's just like, I don't remember the exact line, but he's just like, you know, look at them. They're so satisfied with themselves, you know? Yeah. They're so, you know, <laughs> their overconfidence is their weakness. He's like, you just put on a uniform and rub a little dirt on your hands and you go in and nobody looks at you twice. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm the mechanic. They're like, yeah, okay, over there. Right. And yeah. I, I will say, like, I don't know. I feel like this show is making me like Kenobi more. Um, I know Kenobi I was five that. years before this. But, like, you know, the, the scene that I think you really loved and Ashley really loved it. And for me, it just, it didn't quite work 100% was where, mm-hmm. um, oh, what was her name? Um but the the basically the under, the rebel who was posing as the imperial officer, right? Um, yes. Who, who, I, I'll look up her name. I don't remember. Maybe the moment, she wasn't but. even posing as an imperial officer. Maybe she was an imperial officer who flipped to become a rebel. Yeah, she was. A, she was a. She was an imperial officer yeah. at the time of the show, but she was working as a rebel spy. Not not even a rebel spy at as a uh, spy yeah. for like the underground railroad. Right. Jedi. Exactly. There wasn't a coherent rebellion at that time. Yeah. When she like finagles all of her like getting in with the empire, all that stuff into that like mm-hmm. fortress. Right. I didn't totally buy it for various reasons, but like this speech makes me like want to believe it more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it mm-hmm. to me, it like it verbally sells me on what I felt like the way um, you know Kenobi was just the delivery to me. Just it's it just whatever. I don't want to. I don't want to complain about Kenobi, but I'm just saying like this. It yeah. to me, it almost like and it's weird because this happens after that, but for some reason, it feels like it sells me on some of the things I felt like Kenobi was trying yeah. to sell me on. And so if I rewatched them, like it might feel different. You know. Um, yeah. And that's one of the things about when you make all these stories in one setting is yeah. one story can either add depth or make something make you understand something better or it mm-hmm. can kind of step on it sometimes. Right. And so, yeah. you know, you get both. And I, I think that's why, like the Clone Wars we've talked about, I think the Clone Wars makes the prequels better. It, it doesn't fix the prequels, my name pans, but it makes me a lot more invested in the story right. and kind of fills in the gaps I'm needed to allow me to find them a lot more tolerable. Right. And again, some people love them. And that's totally fine. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying that that, that wasn't for me. And, and I also think that – and you and me have had like reams of audio files about uh, you know our feelings about prequels. We don't need to go into right. that. I'll just quickly say though, to me like – what we talked about in Kenobi is it's very hard to do a prequel. Like the more established the characters in the world you're prequeling, the harder it is. And this, I think is doing the same thing as rogue one is that this is fundamentally in a world that we've never really explored. Right. We know what came before it. We know what comes after it. 
And we only know about Cassian because he's been in a different prequel, you know? So, like, there's much less of the, like, oh, no, that's not what was supposed to happen in Cassian's backstory. Like, because we don't know it. It's so left wide open. This is a prequel to a prequel. But but it works because we, we didn't. Rogue One told us a good amount about Cassian's character. But it didn't tell us almost anything about his story, right? It yeah. told us kind of like who he was, but not really where he came from or anything like that. So I, I would say the difficulty bar on this show as a prequel is actually fairly low, which which is nice, yeah. you know, because I don't want a high difficulty bar on a prequel. That's rough. That's really hard to live up to, you know. It, it, mm-hmm. it rarely is done. And, uh, and you know, I mean, so far that aspect of it's a low bar, but, um, you know, it's it's clearing it for me. The, the only thing that I need from that regard is no matter how much hope and no matter how much, like, not even redemption, but how much of an arc Cassian has, by the end of the show, I need to believe that he's a person who, if ordered, would go, you know, kill a person instead of trying to capture them, even though their own daughter was right there with you. You know, like, um, I, I, I need to believe that he, you know. I don't. Or, or I'm going to challenge that one. Because I'm not sure that's necessarily what he was actually going to do. Okay, maybe the better thing is I have to believe he's willing to kill his informant. That, yes, 100%. Yeah, like, he, yeah. he can't get to the point – if he gets to the point where he's like, I never should have killed that helpless guard. I was so yeah, wrong no. to do that. I'll never do that again. No. Yeah, then that's the – That's not who he is now. That's not who he's going to be. It doesn't make to ma- make sense to make him not that guy anymore. Like I feel like Rogue One, the first scene you see Andor in, right, he mm-hmm. shoots that guy. He shoots his informant because he doesn't want to get found out. The first sequence, you know, the the first segment of this show, Mm -hmm. he shoots someone in the face to make sure that he doesn't get found out. Like, that is who this guy is, right? Yeah. And he hasn't acquired all the skills he will have by the time of Rogue One. Um, Mm -hmm. And he might have some sort of personal developments in terms of you know, exactly how he wants to go about rebelling. Um, yeah. But he's he's still throughout, I think, going to be somebody who will shoot someone in the face or the back if yeah. it's if it's what he feels is necessary to achieve what, what he's looking to achieve. And, and I think he's always, I think he's supposed to be a person who is always conflicted. Like, he does not look happy after he shoots that guy in the face. Oh, yeah, he, no. The look, it's not what he wanted the look to is do. someone who's like, I, I, I can't believe I just did that. Right. Or like, I hate that I had to do that. In the same way that like, you know, like, he doesn't actually take the shot against Gale, Galen Erso. Right. I think he does plan to do it. And the, and the guy says, you know, the force moves darkly around someone who's preparing to kill. Like, I think he mm. means to do it. But yeah, he, yeah. So like, it, it's clearly something he's being con. There's a conflict within him about yeah. the dirty things he has to do, which as long as they don't resolve that conflict, I think we're fine. Like that's. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah, it's a much easier prequel. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Bix for a second. Oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting because. Uh, so I am participating now in online discussions of the movie of the show. I'm trying to skip the things that are saying like, well, you know, we know this from the the, the previews oh. that like so this is going to happen. Right, right. But I'm still seeing some of that. So it's been made very clear to me that a lot of people have been super excited about the character of Bix, that like she's supposed to be this big deal or whatever, and so they're really happy to see her now. Um, 
and so it was a little bit surprising to me because I didn't think she was a huge character in this, but I, I definitely think she's a very interesting role of the like, I mean, A, I think clearly she's supposed to be a potential love interest, but also the like, the the, the person who will call our hero out when he's being an idiot mm-hmm. is always an important role, but also that she has like, my understanding was that she has known that Sorengard, I want to say Sorengard, that's wrong, Skarsgård is connected to something more than just being a fence and that she's kind of helped set this up to help Cassie and get to him. Like, but I think it's, I think it's intentionally left very unclear. What do you, what do you kind of think Bix's involvement level is and where she's going? Well, she did say, I mean, that he wanted to meet him, right? She right. said that as a thing. Um, I, I don't know. I don't care. I'll find out. I guess is what I would say. Yeah. Um, I I enjoy her character so far. Um, I think her like transactional sex like relationship with Tim is like somewhat hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Lee was like, why would she tell him that uh, you know Cassian is from Canari? Um, it seems kind of out of character, and I was like kind of trying to defend that as like, well, you know, sometimes people just try and talk about this, and like the only circumstance I could see it is like. If Tim is like complaining about Cassie and she's like, well, you know, you have to understand, blah, blah, blah. But she does right. seem very guarded and tight lipped. And so, like, maybe that is a little odd, mm-hmm. you know? Or maybe Tim just overheard it. Maybe that was the thing. Maybe she didn't tell him, you know, right. and he just overheard it or something. Maybe that was the implication. I'm not sure. I found that a little, a little opaque. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm very interested in seeing like where her character goes, and I imagine she will be part of the sort of so i don't think cassian's going to like go off and join some budding rebellion elsewhere mm-hmm. like that might be a waypoint but i i think it's going to be more of a season 1 of you know rebels sort of like we're on lothal most of the time type deal right. right where maybe we move around the galaxy some but i think i think clearly there's a rebellion happening here right and I think her getting, like, detained and injured and then Tim getting murdered by, you know, police, mm-hmm. I think is going to spark that. And I think a bunch of the, the you know, the corporate mm-hmm. guard, whatever, the you know, the rent-a-cops getting killed is going to possibly uh, cause, like, an actual imperial you know, um, presence, mm-hmm. but at the very least we'll, we'll get some sort of corporate response to begin with. Right. Right. And so I think it's going to be more of a local matter, um, at least in, in this season, that's my feeling. And so I think she's kind of, you know, she's sort of the linchpin there between, you know, first between Cassian and, <clears throat> um, Skarsgård and then also kind of tying them back to this planet Right, because you know, I, I don't know what's going to happen after after this, right? Yeah, I think we have to spend a lot more time on this planet and dealing with the whole Katari of it all. Like, I don't think the Katari was just supposed to, not Kanari um, was just supposed to be like backstory so that you know why he's mad, right? Um, I don't really want to give more response to you about that. Yeah, like, fine. Yeah, I don't. You, know. you were kind of. Like, I actually have not like, seen a single preview. I have yeah, not read a you, comment on Twitter. 
You were like 95% successful in avoiding spoilers. I was about like 80% successful in avoiding spoilers. And so this this is one that I know more about. So yeah. let's just kind of like leave it and I, we'll see where we go. I'm going to go with 99% because I knew Stellan Skarsgård <laughs> was in it. And I knew there was like a factory. Okay. That's it. That's what well, I knew. And I knew Tony Gilroy see, was the was the showrunner. See, that's funny. Those three things were all three things I didn't know. Interesting. Yeah. I, I definitely had a like, oh, wow, Skarsgård's in this. Yeah, like, yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think I think because I read one thing about Rogue One that then mentioned this series coming out. It's always like when when trying to look for like when the release date is. That's where like those articles. Then they're like, oh, we want to tell right. you this. Like, hey, I'm watching the series. Just give me a date. Just tell yeah. me, you know, when, how many episodes. That's it. <laughs> what what I have learned to be very careful about that is. I, I'm not very good at instantly remembering where I've seen somebody. Mm. So I'll often be like, oh, I'm two episodes into a season. I want to look up this character. Oh, right. <coughs> so I, I want to look up the actor who plays this yeah. character. And I'll always be like, oh, yeah, Joe Smith plays this character who's in episodes one through five until he dies. Right. And then I'm like, or, oh, okay. Or even like you just see that they only have six episodes or whatever <laughs> listed in an epi- in a right. show that you know has like seven seasons. You're like, oh, I guess they don't right. make it. Or, yeah. I, I will or wait. The oppos- or the opposite. Where like it seemed like they were just a one-off right. character. And, then and they're, they're like, like, oh, yeah, series seven. regular. So. Right. Yeah, I will say <laughs> I will watch eight seasons of a show. Before going to IMDb and looking at, like, the yep. cast. <laughs> because I don't want to see how many episodes anyone's in until I'm done with the thing. <laughs> I will do that, or with things that um, I am watching but my partner Mary has no interest in. Oh, I'll just okay. ask her to look it up for me. Oh, sure, yeah, that's <laughs> a good one. Too. That's good. Yeah. All right, there's so much more about the show that we could get into, but I want to keep these not too long. Uh, and we have one piece of feedback. Uh, so is there anything else about this you wanted to get into? Yeah. I mean, there's two other characters. I mean, I guess there's like there's like several characters that we didn't even mention. Um, there's like his buddy uh-huh. who they composed that like that elaborate <laughs> lie with, right, mm-hmm. together. About like, I, I, I came to your house and he's like, I did this. And then you insulted my choice of beverage and you fell down and hit your head. And I was so confused about that. I thought that was Tim. That's someone that's else. Not, oh, that's not Tim. No, that's his buddy that works in the, you know, the, the scrapyard or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. They both have British accents, I think. So I was confused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I get the feeling that like maybe this planet or somewhere in this area has like that sort of like the accent or whatever. But right. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I thought that guy was interesting, and I think he's going to be, um, you know, a member of the rebellion, probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his mom was interesting, you know, and um, both like seeing kind of how like, um, you know, how she was like sort of like gleefully raiding the Republic ship, you know, but then, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, then how sad she was at the end. And um, uh and so I, I, I think she's an interesting character that I'm looking forward to seeing more of. And I think that's I think she's another person who will tie Andor back to this planet that we you know we're mostly on. Um, I do think maybe they'll go away and then come back or something like that. Because um, he did say he, I'll come back, right? Um, and then like the droid's name is like B two emo, right? B two e yeah something like that. I'm like really B two emo like uh, that's. But I, I thought this is this is one of my favorite droids that I you know just like yeah. instantly a combination of like adorable and kind of like sad and like you know run down and like I don't know tons of personality 
Um, You know, and I definitely want to see more. You know what he reminded me of? He reminded me of, like, I had this for a while, and certainly friends of mine had this, like, where you've got the family computer, and it's like you're working on a half my listeners have no idea what I'm talking about like you're you're working on like a 386 when everyone else in the world has pentiums you know it's like the family computer is this like 10 year old model mm. that is kind of run down but everyone loves it and it still does what you need it to do you know you've got Nintendo while everyone else's game I keep finding references from the 90s I'm sure there's more modern Nintendo's stuff, from the you know? 80s <laughs> while everybody else has Sega Genesis that's <laughs> you've got the iPhone 4 while everyone else has the iPhone 10 whatever it is you know like I know these people um, like, oh, iPhone 10. Or something. I don't know. Yeah, Is that the new I one? I don't, even, I don't even think so. Who cares? Uh, um, I don't know. But yeah, like I love that droid. I thought that droid was such yeah. a fun character. And, and both because he was just a great new droid character, like the stutter especially. Yeah. Like, and they explained it electronically, but it, it made gave so much personality. But also just to me, he added so much to that idea of like... This is not Coruscant. This is not the wealthy part of the galaxy. These are people who are just getting by. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I will say that I, I saw B2 as as too much of a person to really make this sort of 386 comparison. But um, no, but uh, I mean, yes, but I, I get your comparison, you know, um, definitely it, it felt like, you know, he's <laughs> not the new model, you know. Um, and and part of what I meant by like the look of Star Wars is like how a lot of the technology is very kind of like it, it feels antiquated and it feels like run down. Everything's dirty, you know, like the mm-hmm. first Star Wars movie, especially. And then also like, you know, when they're on Hoth, like there's this feeling of like things just being kind of like kind of dirty and run down and not not well maintained, you know. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I, I think um, B. You know, the other thing is, like, we were talking about this a little bit before before the before the podcast, before we went live, but about how, you know, um, a second character, a secondary character can often kind of give you a different look at a, at a protagonist. And I mm-hmm. feel like that conversation between Cassian and, you know, B2 was like, it told me a lot about who Cassian is, right? Like, there was this combination of, like, caring, right? And, like, kind of connecting and, like, being kind, kind of, with with mm-hmm. manipulation. Yeah. And that's who I feel like this character is. I feel like at the root, like, this is a person who really cares about other people and really wants to be nice and help people and all that, but also is, like... This is what I want, and I will say whatever I need to do to get this yeah. and <clears throat> and or shoot someone in the back or the face. And or. And uh, as he's, and like, or. trying to collect, <clears throat> like, I think he clearly wants to, like, pay off all of his debts before he, like, takes off. Right. But he's also, like, asking to borrow things from other people mm-hmm, in order to mm-hmm. do that. Where I'm like, I'm not sure you're ever going to pay. Like, you're like, yeah. don't worry, I'll be back. And it's like. He's spinning plates all the time, I think. Yeah, he is. And, like, I, in a lot of ways, I very much relate to that. Like, I think I was that person for a long period of time uh, and and hurt people because it's a kind of terrible thing to do. But, like, I don't think Cassian is thinking to himself, I am going to rip this person off Mm. and get the money I need and go. Right. No. I think he completely believes that he's going to come back and pay this guy off. Yes. He just has no plan and he's not – 
honest with he's not honest enough with himself to understand that no, he's probably never going to do that. Right, exactly. He's he's an optimist <laughs> in a lot right. of ways, right? Like in this very pessimistic yeah. world, he just believes, oh no, 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 this I'll just do this and then it'll work. Oh, I'll I'll do this and yeah. then then that'll work and and then I'll do this other thing and that'll fix this and you know. And you can see that most people have given up on him. Most of them are like, yeah. yeah. They're either like, yeah, sure you will. Or they're like, no, come on, I can't help you anymore. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it tells me a lot about him. Mm-hmm. That, and that's what, uh, that's all I had to say, basically. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right. So let's get to our last bit of feedback and then we will uh, close out and have our stinger at the end. One more top three list. Um, so we got written into by Darth Housewife. Uh, great name. Uh, they wrote in. So excited this show is finally here! Exclamation point. Did you notice there was no music in that first fight scene? That hit me so hard, and I think made the point so well that this is not a fight where we're cheering for our hero. It was just straight up violence. What do you guys think? Love the show, DHW. Yeah, I. In some ways, I feel like this is the best made Star Wars thing I've seen, in terms of film craft. Yeah. You know. Um, it, everything feels so deliberate, you know, the, the look of everything, but also the sound and star Mm. Wars is a franchise that has relied so heavily on music. Right. And a lot of that music is, you know, it's a way to score big, bright battles. And like, that's, that doesn't feel like that's what this show is about, you know? And so I think that was a perfect choice to not have the music like oh and then this happens it's like no it's mm-hmm. this is this is what it sounds like when you're in a fight in the rain you know mm-hmm. yeah it's messy i i think i think it's a good, yeah this, thank you so much dhw for writing in i think this is such comment. a good point uh i actually tweeted about this when i was kind of live tweeting mm-hmm. as i watched um and i said something about it, yeah because it, it felt like it was one of those kind of silences that was you're like it wasn't something i had to go back and check like i was incredibly aware that there was no music and I think I think th- they said it perfectly. Is like it it tell the soaring music when the X wings are blowing up the Tie Fighters tells me to be happy they're doing it. Right. The suspenseful music as the Tie Fighters are targeting our heroes tells me to be worried. Like like you said, this wasn't wasn't a moment to be like cheer on Andor as he fights for justice. It was like we're just showing you a story about a guy who's trying to do good and some people who are trying to, like, you know, harass him and treat him pretty badly, and here's what happens. And, yeah, it, it just was... I think there were a lot of brilliant, like, directorial moments in this all three episodes, mm-hmm. and I think that was one of the absolute best. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, all right, well, that's, I think, all I've got. Um, Paul, what is the Zen Madman up to these days? Zen Madman is streaming every Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern Time with The Ethical Panda right hey, here. that's me. Uh, yeah, that's you. <laughs> uh, right here on twitch.tv slash Zen Madman. Come hang out with us and give us your feedback. It doesn't have to be as brilliant as uh, Darth Housewife's was, but, <laughs> and you know, anything's appreciated, but, you know, that's not to say it won't be. <clears throat> so, uh, we'd love to to have you for the, the live recording, but um, also I stream on said channel at uh, 2 p.m. Eastern on Fridays and Tuesdays, talking about poker, 
it's very kind of poker technical stuff. So, you know, I don't know if it's for everybody, but uh, but everybody is welcome. And um, I also have a Discord now that I guess, I don't know where you can find it, but you can just ask about it wherever. And um, it, oh, I, I don't know. I thought I had a command. Um, it will basically, uh, you know, you can ask questions about, about poker or chess or whatever, really. And, um, you know, if you want to learn enough to then be able to understand more of the things in the streams, probably, um, you know, you're welcome to join us there as well. And I believe, Matthew, you have a Discord as well? Or are you... Yeah, I I, I will quickly say about your Discord that um, I have been... Um, discreetly basically getting Paul to teach me Poker 101 by just asking questions in the way I think a 101 textbook would cover them. Uh, so <laughs> it's been a great experience. But also, I have my own Discord, which we'll talk about in a second. But the first, I just wanted to say about these live streams and these recordings, we are not only looking for more people to be part of the stream, we're looking for people to be on air with us. Um, mm -hmm. Hopefully, Paul and I are going to be able to do all 12 episodes. I think just as things come up, one or the other of us may have to drop out every now and then. But even even without, uh, this is just such a better uh, discussion. I think we've got a third person, uh, you know, bouncing ideas off and getting to show different perspectives and, and, and opinions and all of this. So if you're someone who's a fan of the show... Um, if you are all, <clears throat> if uh, you yourself are interested in becoming maybe a guest, or if you know somebody who you think would be a great guest and you want to tag them, or like introduce them to, to me, or some other way of making the connection, please do so. Um, <clears throat> I, we're looking for people who have some kind of a like. You know, I want you to be able to show me some way, some place in which you're already kind of creating content about Star Wars or something similar. You know, it can be like you've been on podcasts or you've been like tweeting about it or making TikToks about it or you know, a blog. fan art or whatever it is. Like what? A blog. A blog. Yeah. Those. If there's a live journal, you can dig up somewhere. Um, I'm going to draw the line on a MySpace page, but you know, anything else than that, um, totally welcome. Yeah, just, you know, it, it, like there's a couple of the, the TikTokers who do a lot of Star Wars stuff I'm already in converse, conversation with. Hopefully we're going to get some of the other Stranded Panda people on um, uh, for that. But yeah, if there's other people who either you yourself would be interested or you think you know somebody else who would be interested, uh, definitely um, let us know. Uh, or, you know, let you know contact me directly. Best way to contact me is at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. But, of course, you can also find me on Facebook and on Twitter. All that information is on the website, theethicalpanda.com. And, of course, you can also join our Discord. Um, Discord is this weird sort of insider thing. I'm trying to find a way to – I would like to post a link to both of our uh, Discords in the show notes. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll that. be able to. Uh, certainly, though, it, hopefully that'll work. But if not, because I think those expire pretty quickly, um, no, email no, no, no. us. You, you can um, <clears throat> you can make a, a la link that lasts forever. A permanent link? Yes. Okay, perfect. So we'll go ahead and do that. But also you can email us if you want to get access. Um, and But yeah, we'd love to have you as a guest. And we'd love to have your voice in any of these kind of things. So thank you all so much for listening. We're going to have one last stinger right after this commercial break that we still have no control over. And during which I will think of the stinger. Um like an hour and a half in, like it was a stinger. Yeah, you can do I a feel stinger. Like the stinger should have been. There was something in the beginning. They're like, hopefully this won't ever go on anything. I'm like, that should have been a stinger. <laughs> it should have been. Should have been. Uh, you wanted to do like a brief, like uh, a preview of our upcoming discussion about Cobra Kai. Oh, sure. I was going to say okay. top three born movies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I can tell you top three movies in which somebody was born. Um, but 
<laughs> wow, your face changed very, very quickly at that. Oh, folks, if you're watching on oh. video, this was all supposed to be offline, but I'm going to save this. And like the, the this may just be the this will be the stinger stinger. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, okay, folks. I'll be honest, we didn't come up with a stinger. Um, I'll ask Paul a quick question, um, but mostly this hilarity is hopefully going to be your stinger. Paul, what is your... Who's your favorite non-Jedi character? I don't... That's not really a thing. Um, you, don't, you don't have favorite characters? Yeah, I don't really do favorites, exactly, but... Okay. Um, Who Who's an actor you'd most like to see in an upcoming Star Wars thing? Oh, Eh, give me Carl Urban. Yeah, I, can see that. I I always want to put Carl Urban or Idris Elba in anything. So I, Idris Idris Elba is going to be mine. Yeah, I would okay. love to see Idris cool. Elba as like <laughs> he can be the king of a planet. Uh, I think he could be like a really badass imperial general. Like you know, he could be part of like something in the Mandalorian world. He could be part of something in this world. I don't know, but that's who I want. Yeah, so. yeah, no, get that. Yes. <laughs> I was I, I said Carl Urban and then I thought oh maybe I should have said Idris Elba. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Well, Idris Elba oh. has decided he he will not be Bond, which is fair because it would be about as as he understands it like a twenty year commitment and he's fifty years That's old. That's fair. So That's fair. I I wish we'd picked him ten years yeah. ago, but you know, fair enough. But yes, get him into Star Wars somehow. Yeah. Also, I mean, you could go with like Simu Liu and he could play Carson Teva's like son. I think that would be funny. Oh, yeah, that could work. No, that could work. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all so much. I hope you all have considered yourselves properly stung. Uh, tune in next week, and we will do more Andor. And Peace. or do some – oh. Uh, every single time I say and slash or now, it is always – it's just – it's just – yeah. Okay. Every time I use voice to text and say and or, it comes out as and space or. Yeah. Yeah.